0: Hi, this is Levi. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a quick minute to introduce a few of the other podcasts in the WCF podcast network. Tom and Naomi are exploring how we interact in our ecclesial relationships in From the Platform. It's a very in-depth series that is incredibly helpful for understanding and developing compassion and better listening practices. That's From the Platform. Sam Taylor from Cleveland, Ohio, produces weekly devotionals in Pause to Consider. Think uh, Mr. Rogers meets uh, Fireside Chat. I love Sam's humble style and think every episode is fantastic. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at wcfoundation.org. Now, here's the show. Welcome back to A Little Faith. This is a podcast sponsored by the Williamsburg Christadelphian Foundation. A Little Faith podcast explores both the challenges and hope of living a life of faith. Today I'm with Kevin Fadley and we're going to be talking about priorities and our faith. Hi Kevin, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, Sister Helen. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk. I'm very excited to, to share my story and my walk and, and I'm just glad to be here.
0: Fantastic. It's really nice to be with you. Um, I think we met in December at the Williamsburg conference and it was the first, it was the first time I went to the conference and it was the first time I met you and we were in a wonderful discussion group. And I think I was thinking about like why I wanted to talk to you. And I think it kind of started with that discussion group. I guess there was about a group of 10 of us and everyone was very open about their faith and about their struggles. And I felt it was very supportive, wasn't it? And I think that's kind of inspired me really, like to want to talk to you more about that. Anyway, let's start with um, telling, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Sure, sure. Where are you from? Yep, so I actually live out in the Shenandoah Valley in a little town called Woodstock. Uh, we have an ecclesia uh, with approximately 15 people um, that we attend. You know, while I'm currently in Woodstock, it's, it's been a long story of how we ended up here. Um, you know, I was actually, um, adopted at the age of six months by parents. Um, my father was in the military. Um, they adopted me when they were in Charlottesville. And from there we went from Charlottesville, Virginia to Italy. Um, so I stayed for a number of years in my early childhood in Vicenza, Italy. Um, from there he was transferred going from Italy to Greensville, North Carolina. So a little bit of a, of a shift, from there, he ended up retiring, and we ended up back in the town of Woodstock. So um, my journey led me, you know, from from being here to going to North Carolina, to Texas, and a number of other different places, Mississippi, and uh, ended up in the d c area. We can get into kind of that story where I met my sister wife, and I would say it's been about seventeen, eighteen years ago we moved back out. Um, to where I was originally from, to to raise our family and to to help our ecclesia out here.
0: Wow. So how old were you when you were in Vicenza?
1: So I was there from the the age of six months until I was four years old. Um, I actually spoke fluent Italian. So when we came back to North Carolina, when I went to school uh, for kindergarten, uh, we had to have a parent-teacher conference because I had a hard time speaking English. So, um, I had to go through some tutoring to teach me English because I felt more comfortable speaking Italian.
0: <laughs> wow. Johnny yeah. and I actually went to Vicenza. We were there for a couple okay. of days, like yeah. probably in 2006. Yeah. And uh, we actually took cookery lessons from, from this lovely lady, uh, who knew the person from our bed and breakfast and uh, two two mornings in a row we we um were driven by her husband to their apartment and she didn't have very much english and we didn't have very much italian but but <laughs> we managed to cook about six different dishes over those two days and then she'd package it up and bring it back so Oh, that's lovely that there's a Vicenza yeah. connection, and yeah. I and I'm adopted too. I was adopted yes. at six months, so there we go, Kevin. I remember we're, us
1: talking about that. We're
0: connected through that, as well as, as as well as spiritual adoption as well.
1: Absolutely, yes. And and I always tell my brother all the time because uh, you know when he would say something about being adopted, I would say, please keep in mind when you were born, mom and dad were stuck with you. They got to choose me, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I've always used it as an advantage.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So re- it is a real blessing, I think, to be adopted and yep. to, and then when we, yeah, we find out about how we've all been adopted into God's family. It's yeah. It's, Absolutely. it's really wonderful. So how did you meet your wife?
1: Yeah. So it's an interesting story. When I relocated to the Washington DC area, um, I had a roommate and he was dating Jill, my sister wife's best friend. And, uh, I ended up not coming home to the Shenandoah Valley over the weekend and he asked if I wanted to go bowling. I was like, sure. And, you know, in walks this very nice lady, very beautiful. And, uh, she definitely took my heart out of the gate. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we decided at some point that being friends wasn't enough and we wanted to take our, you know, be able to, to actually start dating. But she was very, very clear about her faith from the outset. And that's the one thing that I've always appreciated is that there were no hidden agendas. She was very clear and honest. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had grown up between the Baptist and the Methodist Church. So I always believed that there was a God. There was just a lot of confusion in my mind of what it all meant. Um, Through going to a meeting with Julie and going to some different Bible studies, I met two wonderful brothers above and beyond my father-in-law, and, uh, you know, they did a very good job of really just kind of laying out what it was all for. Mm. And it gave meaning to why we're here, what we're doing. So it really, really helped. And it just sunk very deep. And, and I was like, you know what? I want to be a part of this thing. Mm. Um, I may not fully understand it all, but it made a heck of a lot more sense. Mm. So, you know, it was uh, it was just knowing that, you know what? I was always... I was always in the eyesight of Jesus, right? He never fully left me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, took me on this journey to to help get me where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say, even as a Christadelphian, it's been the, the smoothest of journey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs and I think the last time we spoke, we spoke about that a little bit and that's where it's led to this whole setting of priorities.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's move on to priorities. What are the most important things in your life, well, in your life now?
1: It, it is by far my relationship to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's always a difficult question. You know, one of the things that I did early on in my walk is, you know, you do the, where you lay out the different roles that you play in your life, right? Being a husband, mm-hmm. um, being a member of the ecclesia, being a, fa- uh, at one point, you know, at some point a father, but also being a son, a brother, and you, and you would lay out all these different roles and, and, you would start to realize that it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you start to lean on your understanding, your own understanding, what happens is is you start to say, Okay, I've gotta prioritize what's the most important because it just there were so many different roles that I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And once I had kids, you know, I really made the decision in my journey, okay, I want to be turn myself into the man that my kids look to. You know, there's been a lot of learning from that time point. Because, you know, it just there were a lot of distractions along the way, if you will, mm. you know, that that really distracted about what was most important was, you know, God being the center nucleus. Right. And Jesus mm. being a big part of that as that mediator. But, you know, just being able to know that that controls and drives everything.
0: What brought you to that realization? Because I, I feel like our previous conversations have been that you didn't always feel that way.
1: No, I did not. Um, you know, and you, when you take a look at my children, they both got involved in sports at a young age, um, and they excelled at it. So I really felt like my Christian duty to be a good Christian father was to remove any roadblocks to prevent them from achieving what they wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one of the things that, Helen, you and I talked about is the danger of youth sports. And, you know, I am speaking from hindsight I would say that my thinking was definitely flawed early on where that became the big driver, Mm -hmm. right? Which was let's get these kids into college playing college sports and it'll open up a lot of doors of opportunity for them. You start to get involved at a local level, at a recreational level. The games are on Saturdays. The trainings are one day a week to all of a sudden they're playing travel sports and there's multiple evenings of the week. um, And I became a coach both in travel soccer I started an AAU basketball program where we grew it from one team to four teams. So it really started to become that second full-time job. You know, Through that, also, my daughter started to excel on her own in soccer and attended a camp in the D.C. area, and a team recruited her after they saw her play. So we decided to give it a chance. We did. Um, so she commuted two to three times a week, 75 miles each way for training during the week. And then we, every weekend were tournaments. And the problem with it is they were on Sundays. Mm. We, we really started to be not a, a consistent family that was in meeting mm-hmm. every Sunday. Um, we weren't in the Bible study. We tried to talk with our kids when we were on the road, but it just wasn't the same. They didn't have the experience of that social cohesion that's also so important in our, in, in our walk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it became a real struggle. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things I told you I'm, I'm, I'm verbalizing a lot. Is be very, very, very careful. Mm. My kids are very special kids. Yet yeah, we hope and pray that God keeps them in their in their the palm of His loving hands and continues to work with them and and bringing them to the knowledge of the truth. And you know, we we live by example and and turn it over to God that we plant the seeds, but He's going to provide that spiritual growth. And we see moments of that, but. uh I guess it was about four years ago, two senior members of, of our Ecclesia called me into a room and said, look, we need your help. You know, we're we're starting to age up and we feel like we've been carrying the load of the Ecclesia on our shoulders. And, you know, we're at that retirement age and, and we need somebody to really jump in. And, you know, as I told them, what you know what, you're deserving of that. And it, as I do, I went all in. You know, really started to reengage in the ecclesia and really started to understand what had been going on, um, kind of getting caught back up. Brother Dustin Elsie, that's Julie's nephew. You know, he came out and spent a weekend. And one of the things that I struggled with, Helen, was my relationship to Jesus. I was scared to open up and to, to really feel that relationship. Mm. And, so Dustin spent the weekend with us, and him and I will never forget we're out on the back porch on a Saturday evening, and he started talking with me about the power of Christ in, in his position now. You know, it's one of the things I always talk about is that, that we tend to talk about Jesus up to the point that he was resurrected, and we talk about his return, but we, we neglect what's going on in that in-between. Mm,
0: in the in the present right now.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, where do you think those fears came from?
1: I I think it was because we try to get so far away from any sort of Trinity type beliefs that we tend to take Jesus and really try to put him in a box, mm. um, out of fear of not wanting to get anywhere close to any sort of Trinitarian belief. That and that's just my humble opinion, mm. and I'm not, you know, I'm not casting stones at anybody on that. It just in my life, that was kind of what I felt, right? Mm. Which was, while I understand Jesus was mortal just like we are, he wasn't just as we are, right? He had the ability to look upon a person's heart and know their thoughts and their feelings without them saying a word, I don't have that. And it's not that he was given an advantage. it, it just, this was the son of God, right? So, and as I've told everybody, I don't feel like Jesus was put there for us to feel guilty, and I think sometimes that when we talk about being Christ-like, we look at Christ as that way to say, this is why we'll never measure up. And we start to strip away some of that specialness of grace when we do that. You know, so it's it really made me feel a lot more comfortable to realize in, in our ecclesial bodies that we do have people who really understand the importance of having that relationship with Christ.
0: And what and what, how would you describe that relationship now with Jesus? That personal relationship.
1: I, I truly look at, you know, when he said there's no greater gift than a friend giving his life. Jesus wants to have a relationship with us and he does want to be our friends. Yes, he's going to judge, right? He's going to judge upon his return. I get that. But he wants to be our friend. He wants us to rely on him. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about the power of humility. And we talked a little bit in our focus group about that in you know, it's in no way saying that, that we're beating ourselves up against the head with a two by four and over guilt. It's just Mm. understanding that all things are God. Everything belongs Mm. to him. And he loved us so much. Not only did he give his own son, he's given us everything that is his to be stewards. And it's everything. It's every, the house that we live in. It's the job that I have. It's you know, it, it's all those things, my money and especially time.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and to have a, a relationship like that where the son of God so loved, and I try to make it personal, that he so loved Kevin that he willingly sacrificed himself, took on that role as a servant, to, to be able to keep that relationship. It just, it's very humbling. Um, and I think that's where the humility comes in. And, and I think we as Westerners tend to miss misrepresent the word humility and it's not a sign of weakness yeah. it's just acknowledging that all things belong to god this is this whole journey is not yeah. about me it's about him and his plan the reestablishment of that kingdom and you know what he loves me so much and believes in me so much he wants me to play a role while i'm here on this earth mm-hmm. right now and it may be as simple as saving one person out of the jaws of, of death. It may be just one. But you know what? That's one more.
0: Mm, let's let's go back to priorities. So you were talking about your children and, you, you know, you got into travel sports and they grew older how were they feeling and how are you feeling at that point where it was it was just getting too much
1: yeah i started to realize that you know and we talked a little bit about it the junior year junior year for my son who's the 22 year old he was diagnosed with crohn's disease mm. and um you know he lost almost 30 pounds in a month um we ended up having him treated by children's hospital near washington dc um You know, we were able to, through that journey, start to get it into remission. Um, But we were still pushing the sports. It got to the point where he was being looked at by some colleges. We went to a college workout. And my wife and I went, and he went through the workout. And then all of a sudden, I could just see him, what I deemed as not giving his best effort, being a little bit lazy on the basketball court. And we were out in the parking lot, and... I was ashamed of my behavior. I definitely didn't win the dad of the year award um, Mm. where I talked to him about, you know, I can handle anything, but I can't handle laziness. And he looked at me and he was like, dad, I'm not chasing your dream anymore. I can't do this. I can't battle the Crohn's plus the schedule, the training and everything else. And I just don't want to play basketball anymore. And I'll never forget the first words out of my mouth, Helen, because it was about me. And that's the danger. Because I was like, after everything mm. I've done for you to put you in this position, <laughs> that's what you're going to do. So obviously him and I talked it out over the, the over the next week or so. And I realized that I had put so much pressure and had put so much on them that they felt that they needed to play, that they had to play. And that was never my intent um mm.
0: to to get yeah. your approval
1: yeah so
0: yeah.
1: you know it it was that was when i realized that that something had to change you know that this isn't the type of relationship that i wanted to have with my kids moving forward um it wasn't mm. the example that i wanted to put before them i wanted them to really truly see me as a man of god um and don't know that i accomplished that
0: mm. and how's your relationship with them now
1: I would say stronger. Um yeah. You know, m- my son had some health issues. Um, you know, he, we had him in remission from the Crohn's for about four years. And, you know, all of a sudden last April, um, he had what they called a flare-up. He called me from his, his work, and I told him, I was like, just go ahead and, you know, come on home and let's try to get it back under control. So we followed the same method we did before, and, Make a long story short, he ended up becoming bedridden till july um, and then the the weekend of July fourth um, he called for me to come upstairs and, and obviously he started to have a fever, more abdominal pain, even though we had tried starting humera, uh, which was a big decision and to make a long story short we we made the decision at that point that we would get him into an emergency room for pain mit- mitigation um, until the humor could kick in. And, you know, again, we had, we had started to really build our relationship, but, you know, my faith in my relationship with Christ had gotten a lot stronger by this point. And I'll never forget, my son always had this fondness for little bunny rabbits, And he would draw these little bunnies, and it kind of became his little brand trademark. He would do all of his homework, and he'd put this little bunny on it. So he walked out the front door. My son stopped, and he kind of chuckled. He said, look, Dad, look by the car. And right there by the car was a little bunny rabbit right by the the door. And that was the first thing that we took notice of. And it was a beautiful, beautiful blue, sunshiny day, not a cloud in the sky. And my wife said, look over there. There's a rainbow. And we looked over, and, and to this day, it just puts chills up my spine because I really do feel that it was Jesus telling you, I'm with you on this journey.
2: Mm.
1: So I felt, we felt this peace. Um, we get to the hospital, and, and next thing you know, the doctors are running some tests on him. We turn around, and there's 10 doctors by his bedside. They're putting two and three IVs in each arm. Um, the doctor that, that was working that night, she called us into her office, and that's when I knew it was bad. And she said, look, he's not, we're giving him morphine and it's not doing anything for the pain. We're going to run some, some CAT scans, but I'm telling you, this doesn't, this doesn't look good. This is a serious condition. So they ran the CAT scan and and she called us back in and she said, look, right now what we're trying to do is, is get a little bit of pain mitigation so we can work with him. But here's the situation. He has a severe abdominal infection due to the Crohn's and we are concerned that he is going septic, and we're trying to figure out how far into the bloodstream this infection is going. Um, fortunately, it hadn't gone too deep, but it was more than what that hospital could handle. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, they put in an ambulance for a almost three-hour ride to a Fairfax. And while we were there, to make a long story short... We knew he was going to have to have surgery, but because of the infection, they would have to get it under control before they could they could operate. He was there for a week and a half, hooked up 24 hours a day to five different antibiotics. Um, mm. And it was a time though that the nurses would come in, we would have conversations, we had little prayer sessions, little kind of impromptu Bible discussions. Um, So from there, they did send him home. He was home for a couple of months on an IV for 18 hours a day, being fed intravenously. Finally got the infection to the point where they could operate. Um, So when we showed up in November for the operation, the plan was that they were gonna make two small incisions, remove a couple different sections, a couple inches a piece. Once the doctor got in there, he realized it was a lot worse than what it was. So they ended up having to fully open him up. They took about two and a half feet of his small intestine and uh, it was a lot more invasive than what they thought they were going to have to do. So, you know, he's uh, fully recovered now. Um, he's been home and um, he's back at school. And, uh, you know, continuing his, his you know, thought process in that he has a job and, you know, trying to look at uh, what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Obviously, we're still having discussions, but I will tell you, it's been very difficult. There's been a lot of anger towards God you know it's um it's getting better every day but it's one of those things where like i told you before we have to turn it over to god
2: mm.
1: did we make mistakes along the way absolutely but all we can do now is provide the seed bed for that spiritual growth
2: mm. but
1: we we have to realize that god has to do his perfect work and it's mm. in his hands not saying that we're relinquishing responsibility but He's greater to handle these these situations than anything, and and we have started to see a little bit of a change since we took that approach.
2: Mm. So,
0: did you ever feel any anger as well, anger and frustration? Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, there there was one night when um, before we took him to the ER, it was probably a week before that. He was, he was in a lot of pain that night, and um, I did go out to the front yard. It was probably midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and. I did drop down to my knees and just looked at him and said, why him? Why do you feel the need to mess with him? If you want to take that and put it on me, put it on me, give it to me. I'll bear it, but leave him alone. Um, You know, and it it was, it was, that was a hard evening. It was a Mm -hmm. very hard evening. It was the first time I could ever remember that was truly angry, you know, and it just, it's hard to see your kid going through that much pain. Yeah. So.
0: Well, it, it's wonderful that he he's he's better now. But and what a um, what a change, really, for your family of those years of traveling and being on the move all the time to, you know, kind of being being really more more in one place and and connect and connected again. Yes. So, what have you learned about priorities, then, Kevin?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, and it's kind of a spinoff from the health issues that we were having. You know, the company that I was working for during the time that Austin was, was sick, they were very understanding. Um, my job requires that I travel. You know, usually I'm on the road 120 to 200 nights a a year and they pulled me off the road and said that I needed to focus in. Um, our, the president of our company, you know, was calling me every day for updates on where Austin was. Um, we ended up having a national sales meeting shortly after he came home from the surgery and was well. And, and this is all part of that journey, right? God places angels in our life for a reason. And I'll never forget at the national sales meeting, we had a town hall with a, with Brandon, our company president. And, um, somebody asked him what his favorite book was. And he said, Oh, that's easy. He was like, mine's the Bible. And, you know, obviously it totally took me by shock, right? And to make a long story short, he had an optional breakfast session. um, And he had a guest speaker there by the name of Howard Dayton, who at the time was the CEO of Compass Finance. And, you know, it's managing your finances God's way. And he lays out the, the biblical principles for everything belonging to God. So, to make a long story short, I started spending more time with our company president. And he said, look, he said, you know, I'm shining my light of faith. God has, I feel, called me to, you know, turn this company into somewhat of a faith-based organization. And we're going to put that at the center and forefront of everything we do. So we started Bible study groups uh, amongst our teams. Um, Him and I, before we would do presentations, we would pray together, you know, so things were going well until obviously there was a complaint filed. And he was called before the board of of, our our board, and uh, they they told him that he would have to refrain his faith, um, and he refused to do it. So he did resign from our organization. Um, He has now taken Howard Dayton's place at Compass Financial Ministry. But him and I had stayed in touch, and, you know, one evening we were talking, and he said, Kevin, he said, you know, he said, I really want to take you through this book. And he said, doctrinally, we may not be aligned, but I think this will help you. And I was a little sensitive to it at first, but he took mm. me through this book called Humility. I will tell you, it's, it was two months of my life that was the most transformational as far as my relationship to Christ mm. and it shifting my priorities. You know, it is all about, you know, the things of everything belongs to God. This is all his and we're stewards and we need to take that role very seriously being a steward. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, so the finances that we have, we have to operate it in a way that that God would be pleased in the way that we serve. Um, You know, I've asked our ecclesia when I give exhortations, please, please don't come up and tell me great exhortation. You did a great job because that's not what it's about.
0: Mm, it's about service, isn't it? It's, it's, Absolutely. About, it's about serving, yeah. and with that serving comes is is the attitude of humility.
1: Yeah, and it's all him. The words that I speak, he puts in my mouth. The only thing that I can hope and pray that is, I don't do anything to create a stumbling block for anybody. And mm. it's not because I I it's a guilt thing. It's because. I want people to be able to to feel the same feeling of this relationship with Christ, with the understanding that grace that God's given us in this plan, and and how great that kingdom is going to be. But it's not the main driver now, right? It's how beautiful it is when we do serve, and God gets the glory. Uh, it just it just sends me over the moon.
0: Mm, so that's wonderful, Kevin. And it's not just your son's health, but you, you know, you've had challenges with your own health as well. haven't
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's part of kind of that shifting of priorities and understanding priorities was that, you know, I was all in at the ecclesia. Um, you know, I was helping with the adult Sunday school. I was consistently, you know, doing exhortations, but we had already we had started a, a Bible study in our house. Um, I also started another group of, of Christian men to talk about, you know, what it means to be a man and the role of men. Um, so I had those two Bible studies going on on alternate Sundays. Then we had the health issues with my son. I started, I started to neglect myself, right?
2: Yeah. So
1: I really started to put on weight. And um, by the time February hit of this year, I stepped on the scale and I was 256 pounds, which is technically obese. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would noticed a very severe drop in energy um, on the weekends. All I wanted to do, I couldn't be present to my family. I couldn't be present to my brothers and sisters because all I could do was sleep and sit on the couch. And when I stepped on that scale on February 13th and I saw 256 pounds, I was like, God, I know this isn't the man you wanted me to be. I've got to be better than this for you. Mm-hmm. So that's started this understanding that in order to give my best to God, it isn't like I was trying to get into shape for me. Um, it was to be able to better serve him, to have the energy to do it, to yeah. keep that passion going. So anyway, I had had a friend who, who was a certified nurse, and she'd become a health coach. And I called her, and I said, look, you know, I can't even ride my bike anymore because I'm too heavy and it'll avoid the warranty. I need your help. We sat down, walked through a program, um, you know, where it was more about... It was less about a diet and more about transformational change and how I viewed food. and And it was also the mind as well because that's a big part of it. There's always a deeper issue with the food addiction I was having um, that was driving a lot of that behavior. so it was a lot of it was stress eating and also tying food to joy Mm. and it was getting away from that. So, you know, I started to go on this program. I lost a lot of weight very quickly. Um, so I started getting on a bike again to, to kind of create some exercise, you know, and realizing that I can't pedal my way out of a fork, right? it's, you know, a lot of people feel you can exercise your so much that you can eat whatever you want, and it doesn't work. I've tried it for a number of years, and it doesn't work. But to make a long story short, I got—we went into this house arrest with the COVID nineteen. So we, at first, we're not even allowed to really go outside and bike. Um, so I set up an indoor training system on my bike with this program called Swift, yeah, uh, which is an online community. It's absolutely awesome. So yeah, it's I, I absolutely love God put that into my life to keep me focused and keep me consistent. Yeah. but one one Friday we were doing a group ride, and they were doing an interview during the group ride, and it was a lady by the name of Sue Reynolds. Um, she had just released a book called The Athlete Within. Um, at the age of 60, she weighed 256 pounds. Or No, she was 200, 356 pounds.
2: Wow. Her
1: whole story was going through this transformational change. In four years, she was 140 pounds. She was the sprint triathlete champion in her age group for the world. Um, so I sat and I listened to her story. And I typically, on those rides, I'm breathing very heavy, so I can't ask questions. So I messaged her. And kind of gave her where my journey was, what I was after, um, where I felt I was being led and what I wanted to do. So she was like, text me your phone number. I want to call you. And she did. And she invited me to a podcast that evening um, where she was talking a little bit about her journey. Unbeknownst to me, it was a Bible study group of bikers, uh, bicyclists. And so she started to talk about how God had placed these different people in her life along the way and that. He was really molding her into a way to be able to to serve God through what she was going through. And that's what was driving her to to write this book. And we talk through Facebook quite a bit, and I always bring it up. The one thing she said to me at the end of the last phone call we had is, Kevin, what you have to realize is God is trying to show you that he wants to build you into the man that he needs you to be, and not the man that you want to be.
2: Mm. And...
1: At that moment, it was like years of trying to figure it all out again
2: Mm. came
1: crashing in. And Mm. it was like, you're right. So, you know, obviously that's, that's been my, my passion is really opening up and through that humility, turning it over to God and saying, God, I am, I'm clay. Mold me how you need me to best serve what you need
2: Mm.
1: and just letting it go. Um, you know, and obviously it's brought peace through the whole COVID situation. Um, you know, where obviously a lot of people are losing their jobs, it's adding a whole other level of stress. Where I've said, you know what, where God guides, He provides. And if I'm serving truly His will, whatever happens, happens, and we'll deal with it as we come. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been just absolutely phenomenal. So, where I started in February, um, at 256 pounds. I had my weekly weigh-in this morning. I'm at 193.2, um, so I've lost just over 60 pounds.
0: And how are you feeling, Kevin?
1: Tons of energy. I feel like I'm sharing a lot with people about the power of the relationship of Christ. Yeah. We have a lot going on that we're dealing with. Uh, Within Mm -hmm. our body, Mm -hmm. with things that are going on in the world, first, and also what's going on within our ecclesias, we got a lot Mm -hmm. to deal with. And Mm -hmm. if this would have happened a year ago, I don't know that I'd have been physically fit enough to keep the pace that I do. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's
1: not that I'm asking for a badge of courage or honor or anything, it's you know, God has things that He wants me to do to serve His best purpose, Mm -hmm. and I want to be available and present to be able to do that.
0: So we've kind of covered faith, family, and health, haven't we, like, uh, and about how those three things should be priorities in our lives and how all those three things are linked together. And would you say that God has helped you reprioritize when your priorities have been wrong?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um... You know, you start to to realize when you start leaning on self Mm. that, you know, I'll never forget my father-in-law told me one thing is when you take a look at problems in marriage and you look at problems in Ecclesia, they all share one thing in common. Somebody doesn't feel like they're getting what they deserve. And the sooner that we come to realize that we're really deserving of nothing on our own merit, the sooner we'll open up to grace and we'll move on. Right. So when when strife starts to happen or I, it part of that humility is understanding when you're getting that feeling inside you stop you challenge where that feeling is coming from and then you turn it over to god to let him to guide you on what the reaction mm. is if any right mm. and i would say that that that's the big thing is you get a better understanding of yourself going through this journey of trying to, to look at those priorities and, and once you hit that spot of humility and realizing that you got to turn yourself over to God to be molded the way he needs, you start to really start to recognize your own innermost feelings a lot better.
0: Have you got any f- favorite verses from Scripture uh, that help you?
1: Yes, actually I do. Matthew twenty twenty seven is is one that I go to frequently. You know, it, it's, it's a powerful verse, Matthew eleven twenty nine, where it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It reminds me of that specialness of that relationship that we have with Christ. Mm. You know, one of the things I talk about is that the one thing we have to be careful of is prophecies given to us as a testament to God being righteous and being Right. It's not for us to really spend all of our time trying to figure out what day and what hour Christ is returning. We know He's going to return,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? There's still work to be done, and part of that is building our relationship with Christ and understanding the power—the power that God has, has has trusted in Him to be to judge for His kingdom. And you know, it's more about let's get this message out. Let's work with our communities to give that, that news of good hope. And we've got a whole generation of people that are struggling right now um, with the division in the United States, the division that's starting to happen globally, the strife, the arguing, this reliance on the political system to give us that that future hope. You know, that's that's kind of where I'm spending my time is, is really trying to work with people to understand that you know what? I, I used to hide the fact that I don't get involved in politics and vote. I wear it now where I'm very vocal about it, right? Because as what was it God said to, to Ezekiel, it's not you that, that they hate. It's me, right? And, I, and I've really taken that because it is his message. And, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to be open about it. And you know what? If If people get angry and upset, they're not hating me. They're hating God. You know, it, it's it's definitely helped in me being a little bit more open about it. And a lot of that is really t- understanding that the yoke that's placed upon us by Christ is not heavy laden. Mm. And it's there for us to grab a hold of. First um, John 4 is another one. He that does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who is not seen, that he has mm-hmm. not seen, right? So it's another one that I actually keep in my dashboard in the car. And I think about that every time we have a board meeting, every time I'm with my brothers and sisters, you know, I try not to be the one that says, look, if I were in your shoes, this is how I would do it. Mm. Right. I I really, truly lean into that. I truly love my brothers and sisters like they are blood brothers and sisters. And you like always tell them whether we like it or not, we're stuck with each other for eternity. So we better figure out how to love one another.
0: Totally. Um, Totally. Yeah.
1: And it gets into that adoption, right? We were all chosen yeah it isn't like god was stuck with us right we were called out we chose we accepted and we've been adopted in so
0: he wants a relationship with us
1: yes and i think that's so critical it's a message that we need to get out to everybody is that he does want a relationship with us
0: and that we're valuable i i feel like what you were saying about overcoming some of your health challenges is that you've you've learned your true value of of what God wants in you and that we all have value for him. Like we all have gifts that he's given us to to give him glory, but we have to harness them and we have to nourish them. Did you have Proverbs 3, verse 5
1: to 6? No, I did not. I mean, you've
0: you've kind of touched on it, but um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. I mean, I feel like... Talking about priorities, that that's really what it's all about. It's, it's learning to let go and, and trust in God.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's something that my wife and I talk about all the time is that we, we think that we kind of know best. I mean, lo- look at who we have that we can turn this over to. I mean, if you can't, mm. and this is one thing that we talk about all the time, we've gotten away from finding joy in salvation, and I think that's one thing that we need as a body to get back to is finding that joy in salvation mm. and understanding that it's okay to smile about our relationship with Christ and to feel mm. happy about it, right? And I talk about this with the emblems all the time. We, we tend to solemnly come to the emblems and relate it to his dying when really what we should be doing is celebrating the empty grave, Because that's when we were given the hope. Mm. After three days, when he came out of that grave, that was our redemption. And we should celebrate every time we come to those emblems that through that, through that willing sacrifice, through the love and the relationship that God wanted to have with us and the friend that we have in Jesus, there is an empty grave that we can celebrate. Mm. And if you can't come to the emblems with a smile to know how great that gift of graces it's it's hard how can you how can you not get excited
0: Mm, and and feel that passion and love because a relationship should be based on love and we should feel excited and cherished and and joyful in that and and really want to share it i mean that's also what we've been talking about is it isn't it it's not just for ourselves our priorities are for serving, and it is about others, and that love has to transcend to others.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to share about priorities, Kevin?
1: You know, I talked about it when we were down in Williamsburg is, you know, one of the things I'm very passionate about is God is always looking for his people for someone to stand in the gap, right? And there have been times during time periods where he couldn't find anybody to stand in the gap
2: mm. and
1: he's not looking for us to be the expert orator. he's not looking for us to be that brother or sister that can recite verse after verse after he just wants somebody to stand in the gap for him mm. right so I always say do something don't squander the time we have left talk to your friends talk to your neighbors Make it a point to share what it is about this relationship that we have that makes us so, as Scripture says, a peculiar people, right? Mm. And give them the hope because there's a lot of families between COVID and between the racial strife that's going on, the division in politics, and it's only going to get worse. They're looking for something to make it better, and we have it.
2: Mm. How can
1: you not share that? Um, The other thing, too, is making sure that we lean into our relationships with our ecclesias. Now is not the time to stay away. It's leaning into that relationship to keep building that social cohesion with our brothers and sisters and talk about things, not about the day and the time that Christ is coming back, talking about how great it is this relationship we have. We know he's going to return so let's get out there and really get into our communities and, and get this message out. Now's not the time to hide it.
0: Totally. No, we mustn't hide our light under a bushel. We must keep our lamps burning brightly and have that, and have that oil for our lamps, which we know is, is the word of God.
1: Yes, And then I just need Helen to keep doing what she's doing. You're such an inspiration for me, Helen. (laughs) Uh, You know, between our focus groups, our conversation after testimony night to our first conversation on Zoom um, and now. I mean, it just God has definitely picked you out and uh, you're doing some just great and wonderful things. So I can't thank you enough.
0: Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to talk, Kevin. Um, Absolutely, it's been really nice to connect. I mean, and I don't know when we'll see each other again, but but it's just wonderful to hear about the challenges of your life and how you've overcome them through your faith and how yes. God has shaped you and and how and continues to shape you as He's shaping all of us. Of course, you're a dad and you have your own children, but is there anything particularly you'd like to say to not just yeah, not just to your children, but to, to young people?
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I would say is that I understand that the world puts a lot of pressure on you from, you know, what you're being taught in the school systems as to what is morally right, according to man. Please, please, please stay engaged, number one, in in getting into God's Word every day. Lean into your relationship with your Ecclesias. Find a mentor, somebody that you feel comfortable talking to, that that you can bounce challenges off of, that you can ask the tough questions, um, and, and stay involved with the different Bible uh summer camps when we could start going back to those just really engage because at the end of the day the world's playing for keeps against god mm-hmm. i know sometimes you know it, it's the peer pressure is tough i get it but i'm telling you just just keep involved in god's word through prayer through meditation through mentorship at your ecclesia it'll make your walk so much more easy and and also you know, be there for your parents too. Mm. You know, they're going through a lot a lot of times they they think they're doing what is the right thing to do as a parent. And I do wish that, you know, my son would have come to me earlier and had a conversation and say, Look, you know, I don't want to do this lifestyle anymore. I want to do something different. So, you know, communicate.
0: Totally. Just like how we need to deal with our with our heavenly father.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much, Kevin.